How are you? I'm good. It's early. It's early. <laughs> you you are a rock star. How is it early for you? I am also a vampire. So <laughs> I stay up late and get up late. So yeah, I know. I know. For you, anything for you. I'm up uh, at the the crack of dawn. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see you. How are you? You look great. You look happy. You look alive. It's Friday. It's Friday. What are you doing? Anything exciting this weekend? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, with the quarantine, it makes it tricky. So I will just be home. And it's Memorial Day, which is also kind of strange to be in the house. But yeah, I know it's crazy. I think everyone's going to be in the freaking house, you know, or if you have a home, you know, you probably barbecue or something like that. You know, yeah. New, York, New York City, you're in freaking concrete jungle. Can't wait to get back to L.A. We, we miss you. So uh, come back soon. I will. So thank you to everyone that's joining. Um, I have this incredible, amazing human that is on the line today. Her name is Dorian Morris. She is just a rock star, uh, a, a wonderful soul, and just a wealth of knowledge. And, and she will be on Group Think today, and she will be sharing her story, her vision, and, and the reason why she does what she does. So Dorian, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's jump in. Um, tell us a little about yourself and your professional background and what is Undefined Beauty? Sure, so um, my background spans everything from retail to CPG to beauty. So I started my career at Macy's in their buying office. So that was mm -hmm. my first you know, real job. Um, from there, I knew that as much as I really enjoyed retail, I wanted to be on the other side of the business, really driving brand strategy. So made the decision to go to business school. So went to HBS. And coming out of business school, I started at General Mills. So very traditional CPG background, um, very focused on leadership, which I really enjoyed. The one thing I did not enjoy is living in Minnesota. So <laughs> as a California girl, I just didn't see myself planting seeds long, long term in, um, in Minneapolis. And so this opportunity fell into my lap at this company called Kendo. And so at that point, I had no idea what Kendo was. Most people still don't. But Kendo was a division of Sephora at the time that created their um, white space brand. So think Fenty, Kat Von D, Marc Jacobs. And so I joined the Kendo team as a, one of the early employees, like employee maybe, I don't know, 30 or 50, um, helping drive the strategy of a brand called Formula X, which at that point, um, when I was managing it, rest in peace Formula X, it doesn't exist anymore. It was uh, the number one nail polish at Sephora. So that was really my... Um, entree into beauty and how to really play the beauty game specifically within prestige. Um, from there, I joined Sundial, which their claim to fame was Shea Moisture was their biggest brand. And I was working on the um, hair care launch within Sephora called Madam CJ Walker Beauty Culture. And so it was taking this beautiful heritage of Madam CJ Walker, who was um, you know, an icon within the black community, and taking her legacy and bringing it to modern day with you know, hair care products focused on the curly girl, which <laughs> I am. Um, and it was a great opportunity to really take the skills that I learned at Kendo and apply them to a different category. Um, from there, I joined CoverGirl Cosmetics. So they're the antithesis of the other smaller scrappy organizations that I worked for, um, leading the U.S. marketing strategy. And then from there, I realized that, you know what, I've built brands and helped, helped lead brands for other people. And it was my time to create something for myself. And so I started working on Undefined in, let's see, 2018 really with wow. the goal of creating something special. So something that didn't exist at the time. So clean, inclusive, um, adaptogenic, conscious products. 
And each collection has a unique ingredient story as well as social benefit. So the first collection is focused on the power of CBD, um, which is a beautiful botanical that comes from cannabis. Um, very powerful from an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, um, it's a balancer, so a lot of beautiful benefits. And when I was working on the brand, um, at that point in 2018, there really wasn't a market. So now CBD is very ubiquitous and everyone understands, most people understand what it is, but at that point, there really wasn't. Um, a lot of the brands in the space were very kind of crunchy granola, apothecary brands, and I felt there was an opportunity to bring something special and unique to the space that feels a bit more elevated, but very accessible from a price point. Um, and it's fun because beauty's fun. It shouldn't be very serious. Yeah, so I, I started that journey in 2018 and I actually met you the day before I launched. So you've been on this journey with me from, you know, my first uh, product market fit test at Indie Beauty Expo until today. So I appreciate you for, you know, being a supporter of mine. Oh, wonderful. Yes, I do recall when we met there, you know, I was like, wow, who's this amazing human? And, you know, we've just built this incredible friendship and I'm just so proud of you and what you've done. And, you know, I've learned a lot from you and you love to share and open up your network. And I think that's the beautiful thing about beauty. You know, we've become very cool with one another and I'm just so thankful for you. Yeah, and I so feel like there's a lot of opportunity for collaboration over competition. Like we shouldn't be reinventing the wheel specifically within diverse communities. It's all about information sharing. And, you know, when yeah. independent brands come together, you can make something special. Yeah, and that's what Groupthink is about. Groupthink is really all about, you know, sharing information, inspiring people, because right now during this pandemic, we're all looking for inspiration. We're all looking for something. Um, and this is what this is about. So I'm very thankful that you can share to the world what you're doing. And maybe this can inspire someone that can do something great. Yeah. And so, and so CBD, obviously, is a hot fucking topic. You know, how did you come to discover its benefits for skin? Yeah, so um, let's see, taking it back a step. So I was um, the daughter of law enforcement. Okay. So my mom was one of the first black female sergeants for the CHP, uh, the California Highway Patrol. And so I grew up with this very strong mother in this, you know, the cultural context of just say no to drugs. So I was not a partaker in cannabis. Um, but as I was thinking about just my entrepreneurial journey, I really knew that I wanted to create something unique and really elevate unique ingredient stories. And so a close friend of mine who we had very lockstep career. So we interned to J&J &J together. And then when I joined- and for those who don't know J&J, J&J is Johnson & Johnson, correct? Yes, John. so I, uh, I did a co-op there working on um, Aveeno hair care. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, lost my train of thought. Okay, so she, her name's Nishida. So when uh, I went to General Mills, she went to Target. So we're kind of like lockstep within our careers, like in the same cities. And she left corporate America and um, really launched into the cannabis space. So she's the one who planted the seed. I kind of say she's my, my cannabis fairy godmother because she's the one who mentioned, you should really look into the benefits of CBD. And my first response was, what is CBD? Um, so as I started researching this beautiful botanical, there's, um, so CBD is cannabidiol. It's one of the major cannabinoids in cannabis. So if you think about the umbrella, so cannabis can mm -hmm. either be hemp, or depending on its THC level, it becomes marijuana. That's a culturally loaded term, but marijuana. And so CBD is one of the, the main botanicals that is researched, so THC and CBD. And CBD has amazing benefits, both topically and ingestibly. And so the main benefits that, that I like to talk about are uh, antioxidants. So it actually has more antioxidants than vitamin C and vitamin E. So it's very strong. And antioxidants, um, you know, 
it's oxidation. So it's exposure to you know, pollution, uh, stress causes oxidation. It's also anti-inflammatory. And inflammation causes everything from wrinkles to acne. Um, inflammation is at the heart of most disease um, in, in general. And so it's great for reducing inflammation. Um, it's a balancer, which is very unique to skincare specifically. So if you have oily skin or excess sebum, it actually turns off the oil production. And if you have um, too little oil production, it turns it on. So it actually targets what you need for your specific skincare needs, uh, which is why it's called an adaptogen. Um, it, adopt, it adapts to your needs. Um, and it's also an enabler. So because your body has an endocannabinoid system, your skin actually has a lot of receptors. And so when you're using CBD topically, it allows for better bioavailability of the overall formula, which means better penetration, which means better performance. So you're actually getting you know, more bang for your buck when you're incorporating CBD into your product. Um, but it's also important that you're looking at the formula holistically. Because if you think about it, if it's gonna be penetrating deeper, you wanna make sure that it's really you know, high quality ingredients, non-toxic ingredients, because you don't want those to penetrate deep. And so it's okay. looking at it holistically. So it's, it's very much in line with this you know, health and wellness and, and recognizing that everything that you put on your skin actually impacts your, your health and well-being. And so it's really this holistic approach. So you're kind of like a, a, a CBD trailblazer. That's what I'm hearing, you know? Well, I mean, I, I jumped into the space before, before it was actually legal. So uh, the Farm Bill, which was passed in December of 2018, is what made CBD federally legal. Okay, um, can you, so can you actually, elaborate on the Farm Bill? What is the Farm yeah. Bill? So the Farm Bill, um, and I'm not... Let me just put a caveat, not a lawyer, not a doctor. So take all that with a grain of salt. Um, so the Farm Bill is what actually unlocked the ability for hemp-based CBD. So all, um, all hemp that is below a 0.3% THC level to be legal. So able to be used as um, an input within products. It's still a bit gray because the FDA hasn't landed on their approach in regards to CBD as a food or nutritional. So topically, completely okay. The FDA governs anything ingestible, and they're still working through um, the regulatory uh, framework for that. Because unfortunately, or fortunately, there is a, a drug, epi I always say it wrong, epidiolex, I believe it's how you pronounce it. It's a, an epilepsy drug. And that's actually what allowed for hemp-based CBD to be legal. But because it's a drug, based on FDA rules, you can't have both a drug and a food. Mm. So they're trying to figure out how to... Um, create a system that allows for both of them to be viable options. And so most people that have ingestible CBD products are just kind of in a wait and see mode. Um, there's a lot of products, products in the market, as you know, but from a legalization standpoint, there's still a bit of gray area. Okay. And so why is it so important for you to destigmatize de CBD? You're so passionate about social issues, especially yeah. our community being incarcerated because of cannabis slash weed. Can you talk to us about this? Yeah, so um, if you think about it, the industry, the cannabis industry, was built off the backs of the black and brown community. So if you think about the historical context of the war on drugs, our communities have been disproportionately impacted. And so for me, you know, daughter of law enforcement, so I've seen it from the, um, that angle, you know, for my parents, but also, unfortunately, I have family members that have been incarcerated for drugs. So you know, cousins, uncles that have been in jail. So I've seen firsthand how difficult it is to reacclimate. And me, Dorian, I want to be part of that solution. And so unfortunately, you know, the industry currently is white men. And I felt that there was lack of representation. And I knew that given my background, both from, you know, traditional 
business, CPG, as well as beauty, I had the unique opportunity to bring something to market that has a purpose-driven approach. So the way that I thought about Undefined is each collection has ingredient story and social benefit. So for this first collection, Indigo Rose, which is focused on the benefits of CBD, my goal is to focus on female incarceration. And so unfortunately, it's one of the fastest growing groups within you know, the prison industrial complex. And as I scale the business, my goal is to figure out solutions to help reacclimate, um, provide jobs for those that are coming out of jail. So that's my goal. Um, but in the short term, uh, I'm focused on inc incorporating this, um, this mindset of, of consciousness within my supply chain. So across my entire supply chain, from the labs that I work with, to my designer, to warehousing, all of the different pieces of the puzzle that help a business um, you know, thrive and grow are all female-founded, minority-owned, or LGBTQ. And so for me, it's about finding businesses that uh, come from these disadvantaged communities because business can empower business. So me as a business owner, it is my job to help elevate those around me. And so that's one decision that I've made that's been kind of a, a North Star as I've been um, growing and, you know, developing this brand and this business. I mean, I think that's so, I think that's incredibly powerful. I mean, thank you very much for sharing that. You know, our community, you know, we are impacted, you know, tremendously throughout this whole war on drugs. And so that's a topic that we can continue to talk about over yeah. and over and over, but thank and you. And representation I, matters, right? Yeah. So um, unfortunately there's not very many black women in the space. Um, it will change. And yeah. I am actively trying to make that change, but yeah. I think having a seat at the table and showing the broader community that, hey, I'm a black woman and yes, I have this business is important because it's gonna show people behind me that there is an opportunity for them as well. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and I, I love your stance on that. You are a black woman and you are strong and you are powerful. And it's just a blessing that you are, you know, a fucking trailblazer. So salute to you. Thank you. <laughs> and so you've been in business two years. Can you walk us through your timeline, the length of time it took from idea to product development process to if you had investment to launch, you know, yeah. your, man, your manufacturing process, how long did it take you to develop the product? Yeah, so I started working on the ideation of the concept back in February of 2018 and ultimately launched one SKU um, as my test run at Indie Beauty Expo in August. So started in February, did my test run in August. So what is that? I don't know, six months? I'm sure my mm -hmm. math is wrong. <laughs> um, it's early. What was tricky is that, I mean, although I've been in the beauty space, it's very different when you're going from a you know, corporate job into being an entrepreneur because there's just different levels of scale. And so for me, it was about finding partners that made sense that you know, they fell within that threshold, the female founded minority owned LGBTQ, but also allowed me to have this model where it's kind of a test and learn approach. So the way that I think about the business is if I think there's demand for a specific product, I'll engage a lab, I now have six labs that I'm working with across different categories. And so I'll do a small run. And because I'm working with smaller labs, it allows me to be more flexible with, you know, the order quantities and the, and just moving quicker. So um, for, so, for those who don't know, explain the, the small runs and all oh, that, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. So um, MOQ, which is minimum order quantity, is one of the key metrics that um, as a brand founder, as you're thinking about lab partners, it's a key question because uh, your minimum order will then allow you to either have a larger run, which is great because that's typically more cost advantage, but smaller runs allows you to test the market. So I abide by the philosophy that 
you put it out there and see what sticks. And so I, yes, there's a, a framework with which I'm developing products, but as a small entrepreneur, a small brand, I'm self-funded, um, team of one. I wanted to make sure that I mitigated financial risks. So for doing smaller runs, it allows me to test a concept. And then if there's legs, I can scale up. And so um, I found this lab in LA that has expertise within skincare. They've been in the skincare space for 23 years, so wealth of knowledge. And so as I partnered with them, it was they were new to CBD. And so it was kind of a learning for them as well as a learning for me as we think about what are the other ingredients that are gonna help unlock the potential of this botanical um, as we're thinking holistically about the formula, how can we be differentiated and create something that is different than what's existing in the market, but also do it in a way that it's cost effective for the consumer. Because for me, it's really about accessibility and providing a high quality product that works, but also doesn't cost your firstborn child. Um, because there is so many benefits of this plant. I want to make sure that everyone has access to it. So nothing that I do is over $50, which within wow. the CBD space, that's huge because CBD as an ingredient is the most expensive ingredient I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> very expensive. Um, prices are going down just because there's more supply now, but um, it's just a very, very expensive input. And so uh, worked with this lab. I had at that point three SKUs under development. Um, only one we had ready in time. And about three weeks before Indie Beauty Expo, I pulled the trigger and decided, you know what? I know I'm not fully ready and this concept isn't fully baked, but let me jump off the cliffs and I'll build my wings on the way down. And it was actually um, my former CEO, Rich Ludinus, who um, he was the CEO when I was at Sundial. Um, after I left, he ended up selling the company to Unilever, but he's been very involved within the space after he sold his company because he bought Essence Magazine. He launched New Voices Fund, which is focused on investing in um, women of color businesses. And so he's been an informal um, advisor to me. And um, I was at Cosmoprof in LA, which is a big trade show for beauty, which you can talk to labs, suppliers. And um, we met up and I was telling him, you know, where I was with the business and is actually him. He pushed me. He's like, Dorian, I know you don't feel ready, but you need to do this. No matter what you're going to learn, something good or something bad. So invest in this, I, invest in this event and that will just provide dividends as you think about evolving the brand. And so pulled the trigger, signed up. It was a very expensive show, um, but I think it was worth it because it really gave me the opportunity to hear from the trifecta. So you had consumers, you had press, and you had buyers. Um, so the three very important stakeholders within you know, developing and, and growing a beauty business. And um, it was a great opportunity to kind of test the water to see if the concept has legs. And you know, coming out of the show, I was voted as one of the consumer favorites. Um, which I believe there was probably, I don't know, maybe 300 brands there at the show. Wow. Um, and so I was voted as consumer favorite, which is great. And the product was also nominated for best face oil face serum. So it was a, a great, you know, pat on the back, but okay, this concept actually resonates with people. And so, yeah, that was kind of where I started. Just wow. That's a, that, that's, but that's I a have evolved start. since then. So um, as tell, you remember, tell, us about your, tell us about your evolutions thus far. Yeah. So, um, if you remember, because you were helping me work the booth on day two and using all of your, your Troy charm, um, <laughs> the packaging has changed. So one learning was that I had launched with 100 ml, which is three ounces, as a face oil, like multitasking oil. That's a lot of product. And so I've changed the sizing. Um, the packaging has changed uh, because I really wanted to create this 
feeling of inclusivity and young vibrancy. And so the packaging has evolved. Um, and then from that point, I also was able to understand receptivity to other product forms. And so since then I've launched, let's see, Glow Jelly, which is a collagen-based serum to help tone, tighten, lift pores. Um, I've launched Glow Balm, which is a natural lip balm that's tinted with um, real fruit. I've launched, let's see, uh, Glow Detox, which is a detoxifying bath soaks. I've launched Glow Melt, which is a hybrid massage candle body balm. What else do I have? Uh, Glow Bar, which is a solid cleanser. So just multiple categories, making sure that I'm really focusing on what is the need state and how can I provide something that's unique, powered by the benefits of CBD? Because unfortunately, you know, as CBD has grown as a category, there's been this explosion of brands and products and a lot of them are bad characters. And so there is a bit of a, I would say negative stigma still attached to CBD because there's some players that are maybe not putting high quality products on the market. Uh, maybe they're sourcing their CBD from China, which unfortunately it's just not very high quality because you know the beauty of the plant is that it's a, um, I don't know if the right term is bioaccumulator, but it basically sucks up all of the toxins from the soil. So actually if there's um, historically, hemp has been used when there was like spills to actually suck up all of the toxins. And so because it is this, you know, this is called a, a sponge, you want to make sure that it's in a, it's this, the hemp is, has been farmed in a way that's sustainable, you know, no pesticides, no heavy metals. And unfortunately, a lot of the CBD is coming from China, which they just have very different, you know, regulatory choices that they make. So. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm also learning a lot about hemp and I just was watching a documentary that, you know, uh, hemp was used with Ford Motor Company yeah. you know, back in well, the day. And a lot of people don't know that. And so hemp has been around many, many years. I mean, excuse me, centuries. And well, I'm like, I mean, wow. If you look at the history of hemp, it was used everything from an alternative to rubber. You can make clothes out of hemp. Yeah. But there's a lot of um, reasons that hemp became illegal. Correct. Which a lot of them were based on these big, powerful, you know, mm -hmm. yep. magnets that had interest in certain businesses and wanted to preclude hemp from being used. Because it is, you know, it's this beautiful plant that does so much, both if you're using it in a product form, but also just the fact that it's super regenerative. And so you actually get more, the yield is a lot higher than, let's say, cotton. And so there's a lot of benefits. And I think that as it's now becoming legal, you're going to see a lot more uses of hemp, which is exciting. Yeah, that's very true. So, I mean, you know, that offline, I, I send you the documentary that I watched from, with the Ford Motor Company about hemp. So it's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. And so uh, Undefined Beauty is DDC. What about your business model made yeah. that seem like a better route? And I know you did a pop-up, you know, can you also talk yeah. about, you know, Undefined Collective? What is that, you know? Is Undefined Collective and Marketplace, or are you buying the goods and shipping them? Like, talk to us about yeah. all that. I got so many questions. Yeah, so um, I definitely think that omni-channel approach is one that I personally think is uh, more sustainable. So direct-to-consumer is great, but unfortunately, there's a lot of hurdles. So there's a lot of um, regulation around advertising and how you can actually advertise CBD products. Um, so I do think that, that having a retail partner and having broader distribution is going to be important because you want that accessibility. And so finding the right partners is very important. 
Um, I've been fortunate that I've had partners last year that have been very helpful in growing the brand awareness. So my first uh, wholesale account was Urban Outfitters, which is very you know young millennial focused. Um, so as they were thinking about their CBD space, I was able to participate with them, uh, which then unlocked the opportunity to have um, a pop up with Kith uh, in New York, as well as um, Free People was on FreePeople.com, and then Anthropology, which is a very different target demographic. But I do think that there's something important to having that ability to tell your story within a retail context, which there's just this wealth of information and education that's necessary that's difficult to do from a digital context. So I think there is value in retail and, you know, coming out of COVID, retail is absolutely going to shift and change and evolve. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of this next phase of retail 2.0. Um, but I actually took retail into my own hands last summer, launching Undefined Collective. So Undefined Collective um, is a retail platform. So I had a brick and mortar in Oakland, California in the Timiskel area, which is like this cool, funky um, area of Oakland. And it really was a space to tell brand stories in real life. And so I partnered with fellow like-minded conscious brands. So you had to be female founded, minority owned, LGBTQ or CBD. And um, built this space that was very inclusive, very education forward, really focused on telling the story around clean skincare, conscious products and CBD. And so for me, it was really about educating because I am 100% um, aligned on this philosophy that once you educate people and they feel comfortable with cannabis and CBD, all ships will rise. And so the store was very feminine forward. So very um, inclusive, approachable. A lot of dispensaries and, and whatnot can feel very isolating. And so I really wanted to create this environment where people can come in, ask questions, sample products for free, get education for free with no pressure to buy because you educate first and they'll come back later. And so it was a unique opportunity within Oakland to really you know, build the special place within the community to educate them on CBD. I had this um, tincture bar, which I kind of equated to like a wine bar. So all of the tincture brands were all female founded and someone could approach the bar and really have this one-on-one -on -one consultation around what's the difference? What are the different carrier oils and how that impacts your experience? How should you be thinking about dosages? What are some of the other botanicals in the formula that, that reinforce the benefits from either anxiety relief to sleep or pain? And so it was a good opportunity to tell stories that in a multi-branded way, but still reinforcing this whole idea of conscious capitalism. Because ultimately people are gonna vote with their dollar and I wanted to create a space for indies like myself to really tell their story in real life. And, and so that has evolved to also having a retail platform. And then in October, I moved the business to LA um, to the art district in downtown with the goal of recreating that concept in this hybrid live workspace. So it's part retail showroom, part home, <laughs> and so it allows for me to, you know, operate the business from the space that I have this, you know, retail traffic coming through where I can educate them on the brand, but also uh, I live here. So it's a, it's a great cost uh, savings for me as a small business. And so can you elaborate a little bit on this uh, conscious capitalism, like elaborate, share more about that yeah. for those um, who don't know? Yeah. So I think that conscious capitalism is really focused on supporting brands that have had less access to opportunities and really focusing on brands that are making an impact. So it's not just about profit. It's about, you know, you can do well by doing good as a business owner. And so I wanted to align myself with other brands that I felt were 
you know, making inroads in the space, either from, you know, education standpoint, inclusivity standpoint, um, and really giving them a platform. I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And so it, it's it also allowed me to have this information sharing. So as you know, I am a nerd and yes. I love reading all the time. And so it's created this, you know, connectivity of, you know, small brand owners where I can share information with them they can share information with me. Um, we can do events together, which then allows for us to participate in these larger events in a way that's um, easier for small budgets to absorb. And so I've been able to do, you know, pops up, pop, pop ups at BeautyCon, which is one, um, did a big activation at the Essence Target uh, Festival within Atlanta. And so it's allowing when you pull resources for multiple brands to have, you know, a bigger showing than if each individual brand had their own um, booth. And so it's enabled opportunities for exposure. I, I like that. I mean, and, and that's the beautiful uh, part of our industry, you know, now I had Tina um, on the other day and it's all about sharing. It's all about, you know, many of us may not have spoken to each other back in the day, but now because of this pandemic, we're sharing. So it's good to hear that you are already ahead of that curve. So that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and so for all the women that are listening right now, what advice would you give a female founder? Hmm. Um, I would probably say, believe in yourself. So I think that, you know, unfortunately as women, we tend to overanalyze and a lot of times we can get into this analysis paralysis and you could miss a trend. And so I've um, also within this time of um, COVID, I've taken upon it myself to do small business consulting for free to small brands that, you know, might need some extra support. And one thing I tell the brand founders is you're never going to have all the answers um, and you have to be okay with uncertainty and you have to just, you know, take the risk and realize that nothing is forever. So you can always, you know, iterate to great and evolve. And so take the leap. Of course, you know, be, be very cognizant of like risk and staging your risk. So doing things like small runs. Um, but really you have to test the market because people's consumer behaviors are shifting. Um, the industry is constantly evolving. And so sometimes you have to just jump out there and then, you know, figure out how you evolve and pivot from there. And so I think just believe in yourself and take risks. I like that. I, I couldn't agree more. And so are there any specific obstacles that you had that you can tell us about that, you know, you had to overcome? Yeah. Well, so I have a very, I think the way that I've decided to grow the business has been very um, non-conventional, I guess we'll say. It's very undefined because, you know, part of the brand is being, <laughs> you know, very rogue and unapologetic and, you know, different. Um, I chose to grow in a way that is slower but more sustainable. Um, and so for me as a solo founder, um, it's been about creating these relationships that are a little bit deeper. Um, and so that's just a slower, slower build. And so I've spent no money on marketing, $0, which that's not a normal approach as you're you know, developing a brand. I've instead decided to spend my money and my time on the education piece, so doing events. So you know, in-person, high-touch events that unfortunately that's not a very scalable approach, but for me, it was the one that was important because I would use every interaction as consumer insight. And so it was an opportunity for me to, you know, tell the brand story, see what resonates, but also understand what are people's hurdles to CBD? You know, what are some of the need states that they're looking for within their products, either topically or ingestibly? So every, you know, touch point and event that I do, it's really consumer insight, which then will then feed this treasure trove as I think about, you know, expanding the assortment, you know, for both this collection, but future collections. 
And so it's been a very different approach, a very slow, methodical, high touch approach. And so that was year one. And then year two, this year, my plan is to start doing some digital marketing tests, which there is some nuance just because there's a lot of restrictions around CBD. And so you have to be very creative. Um, but I tend to be very resourceful and scrappy. So this will be a fun <laughs> opportunity. I mean, your mom was a cop, as you shared with us. So I'm sure you're resourceful and scrappy. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and so the CBD industry is projected to be $24 billion by 2024. How big do you think the beauty piece can be? Yeah, so um, beauty will be big. And I do think that CBD as an ingredient, hopefully will just continue to, to get more notoriety um, and it will be normalized with an ingredient. So it doesn't become this, ooh, oh my gosh, ingredient. It becomes like your vitamin C, like your hyaluronic acid, these staples within it, uh, within the ingredient space, I think that'll come with time and that will just unlock a lot more opportunities. Because historically, a lot of the bigger brands have been very risk averse because they're, you know, there's risk. Um, I think that that's starting to change, which will then unlock a lot of opportunities for just a broader span of brands to play in the space. Okay, great, I, I, I follow you completely. And so, for the person who's thinking about starting a company right now, today, is there anything that you didn't think about that you wish you had? Ooh. Well, I think the one thing that's unique to the CBD space is that because, you know, we're on the cutting edge. This is kind of the Wild West <laughs> yeah, because there's not, you know, it's so, it's so new. Um, it feels like every three months, you know, point, it feels very different. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just if you're going to, if someone's going to be joining the space, either on the cannabis side, which is a very different model or the CBD side, you have to just be ready to um, roll with the, roll with the tides, I guess I would say, because there's always going to be something that will happen that will cause a business to shift. And so you have to, you know, build that resiliency into your model up front. So you can kind of move with either the consumer demand or the regulatory constraints. And so once the world opens back up, how do you see your business changing? Hmm. Um, how do, well, with uh, COVID, I can't have my retail showroom open. <laughs> so that's one thing that has been impacted. Um, so once within LA, the restrictions lift, I can actually open the space, have this connectivity, hold events. So that will change. I already work from home. So the work from home piece was already a given. Um, I do think that once the economy opens back up. I think that there's going to be this new wave of how people interact with beauty in, in person. Um, as you think about sampling, that's gonna have to evolve, which then goes counter to, you know, people's uh, thoughts or strategies around uh, environmental sustainability. Cause a lot of times these single use packets are not very, you know, sustainable for the environment. So there's gonna be this beautiful dance between People, I think because people are pent up right now, there's going to be this surge in people wanting to get out and play, mm -hmm. but it's going to be at, in a very different way. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And I'll so, yeah, I'll, likewise, we both will be watching it. I think yeah. all founders will be definitely watching. And so how much upside, I mean, speaking, you know, to kind of like, you know, play on this, this, this question I just asked you, how much upside do you see in the beauty and wellness business right now in post COVID-19? I think it's huge. I think it's going to continue. I think that it's evolving to more this focus on wellness, 
which is not really the external beauty. It's how do you think about it holistically, beauty from the inside out? How are you thinking about supplements? So I think that it's here to stay. It's definitely evolving. Um, but it's, it's moving, I think, into a place that feels more resonant. You know, it's not just focused on, oh, here's how I look. It's yeah. how I feel and how those things play together, which I, I'm all for. I'm all yeah. about wellness. So. Yeah, likewise. And so what beauty or wellness brand do you think is doing it right? Oof. Doing it right. I mean, there's a lot of brands I think are doing some really cool things. The one that comes to mind, uh, top of mind, is uh, called Burst. So Burst is a brand. um, One of my close friends is actually the product product development manager. Um, How do you spell that? How do you spell that for the listeners? B-E-R-S-E-D. Okay. And so I think they're doing really cool things because they've looked at what are some of the trends that are happening across the beauty space and then made them very accessible for the mass market mm. so you can find them within the targets of the world um, and in a very clean way. And so they've had this focus on, yes, the products work. They're very cool, funky, unique, and they're accessible from a price point. So doing a lot of the same things that I'm trying to do for the CBD space, they're doing for the broader beauty space. So I think they're doing things in a, in a very compelling way. Okay. I'm going to have to check them out. Thank you for sharing with the audience. Yeah, and so, absolutely. Now that the world's on pause, what are you doing on a personal level to just keep your mind sound and to keep you happy? Yeah, so um, I live alone, which means I don't have constant interaction with people. Uh, You know, thank God I have a a fur baby. So my dog, Monica, who's been um, my cheerleader, I call her my (laughs) co-founder. She's (laughs) definitely always involved in the business every day. Uh, So she's been very helpful to my wellness and just my, my... mental health because she gets me out of the house every day to you know walk around the building and so that's been really important um i think incorporating a lot of spiritual aspects has been uh, really critical to my um my level of balance so um i'm very spiritual so today actually is the gemini new moon so i always do rituals around the new moon i also read a lot of horoscopes every day and i do tarot i i'm very into crystal energy so uh, that has been very helpful. Um, I think just continuing to read and listen and learn has been another um, outlet for me, which I'm already a very curious person, but now just because there's you know, more time at home, I've been able to do a lot more of my you know, self-learning and self-guided learning. Um, so yeah, those have been kind of, and also leveraging CBD and cannabis, both. Um, they have different benefits when you're using them ingestibly, but uh, interestingly enough, so I mentioned my mom was, you know, sergeant for the CHP. So I didn't grow up within, you know, I don't want to call it a drug, but like leveraging cannabis. Um, But joining the space and joining the CBD community, it's been kind of a gateway for me, which gateway in a good way, Uh, you know, started with, okay, beautiful CBD benefits topically. Great. Oh, let's try them ingestibly. Great. Oh, now let's move over to the THC side of the business, which is, you know, cannabis. Great. And so it's been this uh, journey and evolution both from a professional and a personal standpoint, as I've, you know, fallen in love with this plant medicine. And so I know absolutely nothing about cannabis. Okay. THC, hemp, anything. I don't, I know nothing. So can you just explain a little bit between the two? Because, you know, living in LA, I've gone to Mad Men and I've seen so much. Can you just break it down for the people who don't know so we can all be educated about this? Yeah. So, um, So within cannabis, there's over 120 cannabinoids. THC and CBD are the most researched. 
Um, they have very different but very complementary benefits. And so they actually interact with different receptors in your body. So the CB1 receptors versus the CB2 receptors. And so they do very different things. Um, the nice thing is that typically you have what's called the entourage effect because you're, you're leveraging all of the cannabinoids that are gonna work holistically and uh, synergistically together. And so a good way to think about it is let's say you're in pain, right? Mm -hmm. You might use Tylenol versus ibuprofen, depending on what sort of pain you have. That's how you can think about CBD versus THC because they actually interact with different receptors in your body in a very lock and key sort of way. So they're kind of unlocking this internal endocannabinoid system, which is kind of the internal monitoring system within your body. So it regulates everything from you know, cortisol, stress, it's its regulator. So whatever's out of whack, it rebalances it. Um, the difference between the, the, the two different cannabinoids is the ability for them to be psychoactive. So THC is the psychoactive, meaning that you'll have this euphoric feeling because it interacts with the receptors in your brain, whereas mm. CBD doesn't. So those are the two different gotcha. ways. And then there's a whole host of ways to actually interact with the plant. So if you're thinking about it topically, um, there's everything from, you know, tinctures, gummies, um, you know, pre-rolls vapes, uh, suppositories, um, there's intimacy oils. There's so many different formats that you can have both on the CBD as well as THC side. I mean, you are, so basically this is the new gold rush. I mean, totally gold rush. I mean, this is massive opportunity. So yeah. it's good. But to, it's, it's focused on wellness because, yes. you know, one thing that has been very encouraging is with COVID-19, dispensaries, which is currently the way that you access, you know, cannabis, have been deemed essential, which I think is going to provide very strong support as we try and move towards federal legalization. Because federal legalization for cannabis is what's going to be important to unlocking a lot of the abilities for there to be the commercialization across states. Because right now it's a very state by state specific process, which that's not scalable. And how long do you think that would take in your, you know, your great mind? How long do you think that would take? So let me, yeah, let me get out my crystal ball. Um, <laughs> if we had, if you would ask me this question maybe six months ago, pre-COVID, it would be a very different answer. I think that the government, it could go two different ways. It could be that this is the time that the government's going to push this through because as they're thinking about stimulus opportunities, that is one big golden ticket. Um, so it actually could be accelerated or on the flip side, and we are in an election year, it could be prolonged. The good news is that, and I'm not a very political person, so let me just throw that out there. Um, Biden, who was the Democratic nominee, prior to about a month ago, he was very anti-cannabis, um, which was not very good for us in the cannabis space. It sounds like he's changing his perspective. <laughs> show, show me the money. <laughs> so yeah, it's really going to come down to, there's a lot of, you know, politics and political influence that it will take either, you know, in the camp of pushing it or there's going to be people that are going to be against it. So. Okay. Well, this has been definitely uh, an amazing chat and I have a few rapid fire questions, you know, okay. as we continue to close. Okay. Um, what is your first beauty product obsession? My first beauty product obsession? Yes, yes. Like back in the day? This is rapid fire. What is your oh. first? I mean, I grew up using CoverGirl pressed powder. Okay. And actually, up until when I joined Kendo, I was still using CoverGirl pressed powder as an adult. <laughs> and I definitely have evolved since then, but that was kind of my, my first beauty go-to as a kid. And what is your definition of beauty? Ooh, 
beauty is inclusivity. Beauty is understanding what makes you, you feel special and what makes you unique and being undefined. There's no one way to beauty. I like that. And what was the most recent interesting conversation you've had throughout uh, COVID-19 mm. that, that you felt inspired after you got off the call? Okay. Well, I mean, not related to business, but I had a really engaging uh, IG Live last night with the friend I mentioned who works in product development at Verse, which is why I was top of mind, um, around astrology and how to think through birth charts and how that impacts you both professionally as well as personally within um, different moon cycles. And so that has been very encouraging as you think about today's the new moon, what can I be doing from a business standpoint to set my intentions to then manifest something at the full moon? Wow, that's which is a very, you know, I, I'm a little woo-woo, I guess we'll say, but I believe <laughs> in it. So it's all about the law of attraction. It's all about the law of attraction. I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, as, as I sit and listen to Napoleon Hill and all of my tapes every day, it is truly about the law of attraction. And a yeah. lot of people don't truly understand that. And it's, yeah. it's all about this, is the power of the mind. So 100%. And so as we continue, um, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? <sighs> I've lived a really good life. So I would probably tell her, keep charging ahead. Be unapologetic. Don't feel like you need to adjust who you are as a person to meet anyone's needs. So I would say, you do you, girl. <laughs> Well, Doran, thank you very much for waking up early for me from Los Angeles. Uh, kudos so to you. Thank early, you. So early. So early. I know you're going to go back to sleep. So. <laughs> no, I'm probably going to do some work. But thank, thank you very much for joining Groupthink. It was an honor and a pleasure to uh, speak with you and for you to share your story with our audience um, as we continue to build this out one person at a time. So thank you. Um, next week, we have this incredible human. Her name is Aisha Corbin. She's from the UK. And she is a rock star, famous beauty esthetician, owns several stores, and she's just Amazing. a dope, dope human, and she will be sharing her story. And so thank you very much. You have thank a great you. day, and we'll be talking soon. Bye. Bye.